Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So we'll talk about it later this hour, that that high school kid that shot up his school and killed a bunch of people up in Michigan. Uh, Did you follow the the latest over the weekend? New York Times had a great story on that. He's writing notes in class that say, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt somebody and I can't stop my thoughts. School meets with the parents that day saying, I think we got a problem here. Kid stays at school, comes back like two hours later after that meeting, shoots a bunch of people. Oh, my but God. Some more of the details to fill in on that coming up later. <sighs> Man, it's tough. We were just talking about the the uh, increase in violence in some California high schools. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. Um, what have we wrought? What the, uh, the seeds we've sown through various utopian policies, in my mind, are, uh, well, we're, we're, we're harvesting the bitter fruit. Anyway, what uh, what we're seeing is, according to some people, Jack, a tsunami of wokeness. There's a tsunami of wokeness. <laughs> Is that the Chinese national anthem? There's a tsunami of wokeness. Yeah, I heard you the first time. Yeah, there is a tsunami of wokeness. He brings the passion. He does indeed. Sam Harris. Let's, let's you know begin. what woke means. It means you're what a loser. It means you're a loser, Mr. President, sir. Thank you. I forgot he was going to say that. Anyway, uh, let's begin at Coastal Carolina University. This story, you're going to think I made it up. You're going to think I'm a lying to you, but I wouldn't lie to you. Black theater student, Coastal Carolina University, tells a visiting drama teacher, you know, I'd like to connect with uh, more non-white students in the department. Um, <clears throat> and the teacher says, oh, yeah, yeah, let me think about this. Yeah, okay, blah, blah, blah. You could, uh, and, and writes a list of names on a white uh, dry erase board, you know. Um, and then didn't bother. It says forgot to erase it when they left the studio. So it didn't erase it. When several other students walked in, they saw the list and were left with the suspicion that those on it had been singled out with racist intent. Didn't happen, of course. It's totally innocent. Everybody involved knows it. But wait, a committee of professors investigated and promptly sent out a department-wide email clarifying what happened that September day. Seeking to calm students, the professors wrote that the explanation, quote, in no way undermines the feelings that any of you feel about the incident. And the faculty is deeply sorry. How battered wife is that? That's a weird thing to say. The visiting teacher also wrote an apology. No matter the good intention, I still want you to know I'm an idiot and I am sorry. In other words, please don't hurt me anymore. Please, please don't hurt me. Things might have ended there, Jack, but at a time when college campuses have become center stage for polarizing issues of race, identity, and what constitutes harm, that's one way to put it, the theater part department was primed for conflict. Enter Steve Ernest, 62-year-old drama professor. He was a white man, Jack, one of those white people we've heard so much about. He says, sorry, I don't think this is a big deal. I'm just sad people get their feelings hurt so easily. And they're going into the field of theater? Because he teaches his students, being an actor is brutal. You will be rejected over and over and over again. You will be starving poor. You will have to have two side jobs to even keep the dream alive. You've got to be tough, is one of the things he teaches them. 
So again, he says, sorry, I don't think this is that big a deal. Within minutes, his iPad lit up with messages. Oh, boy. Mostly from black theater majors. Thinking like this is part of the problem, wrote one 21-year-old senior who's emotionally 12. This department is a joke. Grow up full of fence, wrote a 23-year-old senior. You decide to chalk it up to sensitivity. The professor replied that night, thanks for all your hate mails, adding deleting this chain. And then they go into one of the students who was uh, who was offended and took every comment of every performance to be about race or her body shape. Um, uh, duh, duh, duh. For his part, Ernest, the professor, didn't remember ever mentioning those things and, and can't imagine what she's mad about. Uh, this Harriet, who's, oh, another student who never saw the whiteboard, was not surprised Ernest thought the students overreacted, but she was surprised that he thought it was acceptable to say so. Less than 24 hours after sending his first email, on his knees, bleeding from the head, metaphorically, Ernest, the offensive professor, wrote, I sincerely apologize for my statements that caused hurt. I do have something of an empathy issue I could improve on. Uh, I, my own children will attest to the fact I've ingrained in me the old just suck it up and move on mentality. But that apology went, fell flat. So, of course, the students organized a boycott over the toxic people, regardless of freedom of speech or whatever. She said hate speech is hate speech. And then dozens of students dressed in black skip classes, marched, pinned messages to doors and notice boards, fire the racist, time to resign, black actors matter. Soon local TV crews descended on the 10,000 student campus. Uh, by the end of the day, a dean had ordered Ernest, the teacher, not to come to classes. Wow. After 16 years, he said, no administrators told me what rule or policy I've broken. Right. I'm not sure I can defend myself when I don't even know what I'm accused well, of. It's the end of due process on college campuses. Yeah, no kidding. How insane is this? Well-meaning professor says, well, let's see, Joe and Joan and Eddie are students of color. Maybe you talk to them and leaves that up. And all of a sudden it turns into this. Folks, it's a tsunami of wokeness. There's a tsunami of wokeness. <laughs> a couple of lighter hearted stories <clears throat> from the tsunami of wokeness. Yeah, There's a tsunami of wokeness. I know there is. I just said it. And we've got a couple of lighter hearted stories that are part of the tsunami in a second. But a quick word from our friends at Simply Safe, the best home security system of 2021, according to U.S. News and World Report. It's not just that it's simpler. It's not just that it's less expensive and there are no long term contracts like your traditional security company. It's better. Yeah, it's actually better, and this is how easy it is. You go to simplysafe.com, you click around to customize it to your home, it gets shipped to you, and you can set it up yourself in about 30 minutes. And again, it's the best home security system out there, according to a bunch of different people that rate these sorts of things. You can afford it. You can get a complete home security system starting at just over a $100. Everything you need to keep your home safe, indoor and outdoor cameras, comprehensive sensors, all monitored around the clock by trained professionals who send help the instant you need it. Find out more. Take advantage of Simply Safe's holiday deals. Get 40% off your new home security system by visiting simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Got to use our code. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong for 40% off your entire system. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. I was a so, little, uh, I was a little high when I left the ER in the, the this morning. Yeah. Uh, they put, they gave me stuff. I jammed in my pocket. I got pockets full of hydrocodone. That's one of the, the bad ones, right? I mean, yeah, in terms so of like get to opiate. Yeah. I don't know if I'm a guy who should be walking around with pockets full of hydrocodone. 
That's that's I think that's the entry level one that's not super powerful, mm-hmm. as I recall from my various uh, joint replacements. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it's a great. I'll idea. take it's a up couple. To you, of course, take, take a couple next hour. See how it goes. Right, you don't want to be a coward. Exactly. Right. Uh, so Daily Wire podcaster and uh, quote unquote beloved children's author Matt Walsh. Do you know Matt? He's a uh, he's a very very smart, very forceful conservative voice. Well, he just landed the number one best selling new release book on the LGBTQ plus list that Amazon has. I didn't even know they had such a list, but no. this hyper conservative has the number one book on the list. He wrote on Twitter, I now have the number one LGBT book in the country. Any further criticism of me or my book is now homophobic. Uh, checkmate. He wrote, <laughs> he wrote a book called Johnny the Walrus, which features a young boy named Johnny with a wild imagination. The child envisions himself as many things, uh, including a walrus. His progressive mommy knows her boy is a boy, but becomes pressured by her friends on social media to treat and transition her child to live his true identity as a walrus. Mommy is faced with the choice of either protecting her son or pleasing her friends. And uh, that's that's the point of the book. And uh, you, you see what he's driving at, sure. right? Of course. <clears throat> and uh, posting a screenshot of a bad review, Walsh uh, snarked, I'm stunned by these bigoted one-star reviews attacking my number one best-selling LGBT book. Written for, well, yeah, I'll get into the review, but uh, anyway, so uh, now I'm sure Amazon will uh, will move to get this off of the list, but it's a pretty funny troll, Matt. Uh, kudos to you for standing up bravely against the tsunami of wokeness. There's a tsunami of wokeness. There you go. Anyway, <laughs> that's probably enough of that. More you know, to come later. I got a little more um, uh, Greg Lukianoff, who we like around here. Love him. He tweeted this out over the weekend. 120 professors were targeted for punishment for their research or speech in 2020. 120 professors in the country. Almost 500 since the year 2015. 27 tenured professors have been fired. There were 12 such incidents at Harvard, 20 at Stanford. There were attempts at 65% of the top 100 schools in the country. And that's wow. just the professors. I think it's notable that the more quote-unquote elite slash expensive institutions have the most of this. And those are just the cases that make it public, Greg Lukianoff says. Polled professors say their speech is chilled. Students say their speech is chilled. And this is that institutions that are extremely politically homogenous anyway. I mean, like, you know, you're on a college campus. Everybody feels the same way about everything anyway. The fact that they can even find that many targets anymore is astounding. And then there was all those few holdouts that remain are uh, they're hunted beasts. And then there was a quote from a liberal professor who said, I had no idea how much cover the conservative professors had been giving us all these years. The woke come for the most right wing person that's there. But all the actual conservatives have been driven off the campus. So now they're down to just regular liberals. Mm hmm. Because they're the furthest to the right. Right, who are not sufficiently in line with the, the ultra-left. Yeah, it's nuts. How about that? Uh, good article in the Washington Post yesterday about why couples talk and baby talk to each other, among other things that we can discuss. Do you do that? You and Judy I, talk, baby talk? I don't like baby talk. I'm not a, I'm not a fan. He is like a little baby. Uh, I, affectionate nicknames? Yes. Sure. 
I I one time. Oh, Oster little baby girl doing need your kissy. Go kill, go kissy, kissy, kiss. There's uh, a reason no. we do it, but um, not happening. There, one time with one girlfriend. I don't know what I, what was going on, but I I like I, I I did a tiny bit of that. She said, "Don't, don't, don't do that." Yeah, see, this is don't, one of the reasons I know baby, Judy and I are so well matched. If I did that to her, she'd look at me and say, "What the hell's the matter with you?" <laughs> That, among other things, on the way. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Open the microwave oven door, place it on the grill, shut the door which starts the cooking process, and that, I'm told, will take about 70 seconds. So while I'm waiting, a word perhaps with Mr. George Langdon, one of the men who are marketing this machine. Well, how soon is it going to be in the housewife's kitchen, Mr. Langdon? We estimate it should be in the housewife's kitchen within about a year to 18 months. Uh, what's, what's the cost going to be? The cost should be in the region of 100 to 120 pounds, but again, this is a um, thing of the future. First microwave in 1968. We didn't have one then. Today is National Microwave uh, oh, is it? Day, Jack. So if you're a fan of waves, but not long ones or even medium ones, but really small, small waves, today is your day. So that was a report on the development of the technology, and uh, by the 1970s, indeed, they were flying off retail shelves. Now there's Ward's incredible microwave oven. It'll defrost, simmer, bake. It has a removable browning element. There's a temperature probe. Cooks a complete meal for four in less than an hour. It makes a cook's life easy. Of course, good help is still hard to find. It makes all your food taste not quite as good as if you cooked it a normal way, but it's done faster, so I guess we'll just eat not quite as good food. Molten on the outside, cold on the inside. The microwave oven. And you can get it all done in less than an hour is the pitch. (laughs) What? Which just goes to show you how lifestyles have changed. Yeah, no kidding. Did you see the picture of Bob Dole that I tweeted out? I did not. Check it out right now. Grab your phone. I saw a number of pictures of Bob Dole. Check out the tweet. I had never seen this. I've done a lot of reading about Bob Dole in my life since I grew up like just a few miles from where he did in Russell, Kansas. But uh, I'd never seen this one. This is when he was at KU as a basketball player, track athlete, and football player at the University of Kansas. That is a studly dude right there. Oh, my God. I know it. Holy cow, he's ripped. Yeah. He's 192 pounds of muscle. And uh, there in the very waning days of the war. Geez, what a what a time to have your, to nearly lose your life. And a lot of people that he was with that, uh, those weeks in Italy did lose their life. But uh, mm-hmm. Senator Bob Dole, who died yesterday, um, the very waning days of the war, he gets, uh, he gets uh, all kinds of injured. And uh, he was 122 pounds. When he was at the hospital, 192 pound super stud. After he gets shot, he gets down to 122 pounds. Wow! Very nearly died multiple times. Really, quite a story. Um, number of stories of his compassion of folks who'd been injured and lost limbs and that sort of stuff through the years. Sure, how often took time to visit or give him advice or that sort of thing? How would you not? Um, why do Bob Dole listens to Armstrong and Getty? Oh, sure. Says who? Bob Dole says. Ooh. I'd forgotten that we had that. Awesome. Uh, why do couples use baby, baby talk with one another? Imagine you're strolling through a park and you overhear a middle-aged couple cooing at each other, doting over their widow, sugar plum. 
Oh, Ew. God. Ew. Oh, I just vomited. Somebody Ew. get somebody get some paper towel. Ew, you might reflexively think. Baby talk is cute when grown-ups do- dote on babies, but when adults converse with each other, eh, not so much. But there's a reason we do this, and this is what I found interesting. Not all couples do the baby talk, but almost all couples have a certain way of speaking to each other that's different than their normal speaking. That I believe, sure. Often quieter and um, and just just you know just a, a cadence, a, a, a tone of voice they don't use with anybody else, and it's some sort of signal that you send to each other that we're 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 our own thing here. We're our own thing. You and me are our own thing. We're not work. We're not our other friends. We're not our family. You and me have this own. I thought that was a really interesting explanation for why couples talk that way. Yeah, you know, it's funny. What what a, uh, an appropriate time for me to hear this. I happen to have a conversation about bird calls the other day. Where I live, there are a lot of birds, and probably where you live, too. They're everywhere. They're government drones, but they're everywhere. <laughs> anyway, and, and the guy was uh, telling me, this guy was an avid birder or whatever, and he was telling me about how they have a chirp to announce danger. They have a chirp, and then they have a, a very special chirp for their mates and stuff like that. And Wow, there it is, straight out of uh, you oh, know, biology. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We have special chirps for our mates. I, I just I thought that was fascinating because I've been in that situation many times myself. And you, yeah, it's kind of your we're our own thing, separate from the world. Reminding it's just not each other. baby talk. Yeah, Please. the baby talk. That's your so choice. So sickening. It's- <laughs> we didn't we didn't use baby talk for our babies. Uh, neither did we. We I, address them by name. Uh, Declan, it's time for you to rise and meet the challenges of the day. Well, you now that you're your, a week old, you pooped yourself Armstrong again. And Getty. <laughs> The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, on Fox News Sunday yesterday, this is interesting on its own, Face the, the Sunday talk shows, don't watch them. I'll watch them, and if anything interesting happens, I'll tell you about it. Don't waste your... I'm, I got my mask on. I was going to say, don't wear that for my benefit. I'm fine. <laughs> I don't have my mask on because I was walking the hallways and it's the rules. Um, and you're still a little high on your drugs. I am high. I'm high. I was at the ER. I'm now wearing my ER clothes. I'm wearing sweatpants, a t-shirt like I was when the uh, ambulance got there and put me on the gurney, and ER socks, which I don't know if you know what they are. They're a special. Uh, sure. Yeah, they got the tacky stuff on the uh, yeah. bottom and everything. Yeah. Yep. Um, so you can shuffle around and not crack your head. But so, because uh, and we, I was there, the same reason everybody was in the ER, because of Omicron. No, fuck. Uh, Face the Nation spent a whole hour on Omicron. I would say ABC This Week spent two-thirds of it on Omicron. Fox barely mentioned it at all. You know what they mentioned? The fact that we might be going to war with either China or Russia seems like a bigger story to me. Anywho, um, Chris Wallace had on the guy who runs Space Force, and I was glad he brought this up. When President Trump directed the Pentagon to start the Space Force back in 2018, it became the, the, the butt of some pop culture jokes. I want you to take a look at some of that. Okay. Tonight, there's big news about Space Force! Wow, Space Force. It's, it's the plane of today. <laughs> so, how do you react to that, and how seriously is the Space Force being taken by our adversaries now? 
So I think as people more fully understand exactly who we are, what we are, how we contribute to the security of the nation, I think absolutely they're taking us more seriously. We certainly see energy and desire out of the young people of the nation to join and participate. I would say that humor is a fundamental element of the human society and always been part of American culture. If we can't take a joke, if we can't accept some of the humor like that, then we're probably not prepared to face the, the greater challenges we need. And we're absolutely up to those challenges. And, and then he said uh, China and Russia is not laughing, which I was g- glad to hear him say. Here's an amazing stat he hit Chris Wallace with. Uh, and do you remember the way the cathedral media reacted to Donald Trump announcing Space Force? Well, yeah, it was just simply mocked. It was idiotic, clearly. What's the latest stupid thing Trump's done? God, he's stupid. Space is clearly the sphere in which battles are going to be fought in the future, or now. In the past two years, I would never guess this. In the past two years, the number of active satellites in space has doubled. In the past two years. Wow. That's how much more important space is now than even just a couple of years ago. And China's on on track to pass us by the end of this decade if we don't pay more attention to it. And obviously, China and Russia they've they've uh, they've both practiced bringing down a satellite with the idea of you know they could knock out our cell phone or GPS or whatever they mm-hmm. want to do if they ever want. Oh, to they do it into. over and over again. Yeah, so much of our informational infrastructure, our communications infrastructure. Uh, various technical things depend on satellites at this point, and yeah, to be bested in space would to be would to be devastated, um, logistically speaking, Trump, and economically Trump speaking. Trump and his stupid point. face. You know, it just that was one of the worst things that's ever happened in America. The knee jerk going the opposite direction. Uh, if Trump signed on to something. <laughs> Yeah, we were uh, enjoying, uh, in a you know, serious way, Jake Tapper's screed about China and the Olympics and Chinese corporations that he unleashed over the weekend, which was absolutely fantastic. And I was discussing the fact that um, during the Trump years, because he was so tough on China, um, it was seen as a badge of anti-Trumpiness to be very easy on China. And you certainly wouldn't want to be tough on him or you'd look like Trump. And so the only China hawks were on the right. Now I think that is easing somewhat. If CNN is airing strongly worded and eloquent anti-Chinese editorials from uh, the Tapperman. So anyway, yeah, I think uh, I think the idea that people laughed at the Space Force is going to be laughed at 50 times more heartily than those original laughs. In the future, when then when space is an incredibly important front in war. Hey, quick word from our friends at Car Shield, America's number one auto protection company. Instead of dealing with the expense and the hassle and the paperwork of a big breakdown, you can have Car Shield's administrators do it. Instead, they handle the paperwork and the expense of payments so you don't have to. Variety of plans, too, depending on your needs. Month to month, that's one of the keys to it, because that's the future of everything, not locking yourself into a... A long deal or hard to sign up for monthly coverage to fit your budget, whether your car's got 5,000 miles on it or 150,000 miles. You get into an accident, you choose a mechanic to do the work. CarShield gets to work on the, uh, the paperwork and everything like that. And CarShield even provides coast-to-coast roadside assistance, rental coverage, trip reimbursement, all at no additional charge. 
CarShield's helped over 1 million drivers' best defense against costly repairs that'll put a deep freeze on your plans and finances this winter. Visit carshield.com slash armstrong to save 10%. That's carshield.com slash armstrong. A deductible may apply. Go to carshield.com slash armstrong. Got some health news coming up, including uh, a little perspective on the Omicron that you're just, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's such lazy clickbait at this point. Or are folks on the left side of the aisle just that uh, obsessed with the Chinese uh, bat fever? Well, I don't, is it deliberate or, or what? Here's how I would answer that question. Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, Gavin Newsom, and others not wearing masks in, uh, you know, rooms full mm. of people. That's it's a good point. I think they're being condescending to a group of Americans that they think they can uh, just constantly scare. They know there's a certain crowd out there that just li- either likes being scared or is easily scared or something. God, yeah. the, like I said, the number of people I saw on the show say there's no reason to panic. And I kept thinking, I'm not. Nobody is. <laughs> I don't know. As I tweeted over the weekend, I was at a packed Christmas tree farm on Saturday, then a packed grocery store, then a packed pet store, then a packed restaurant, driving through traffic everywhere. I don't think anybody had Omicron on their mind at all. Government officials, no need to panic. Omicron is everywhere, but we're not panicking. Shut up about it. Yeah, yeah. As long as we're talking about shutting up about it, I will say this. Uh, Anybody taking a sober look at this thing and what it is and whether you ought to be concerned about it and whether they ought to spend the whole freaking hour on it. As of Sunday, the largest known Omicron outbreak outside of Southern Africa was traced to a corporate Christmas party in Oslo, Norway. Got to throw in. According to the WHO, there has not been a single death on the planet from Omicron. The toll has been devastating, Jack. Devastating. (laughs) Shut up. I'll bet they have a good time at Christmas parties in Oslo, Norway. I mean, they're right up next to the North Pole. You probably see Santa Claus roll through town occasionally, picking up supplies and groceries and that sort of thing. But anyway, (laughs) so there was a a big corporate Christmas party in Oslo, Norway. Norway, There was 120 uh, fully vaccinated attendees were infected with the variant, tends to break through. Uh, Noting that most of the party party goers were on the younger side. Uh, The Institute of Public Health guy in that area confirmed that none of the patients have had severe symptoms. None. And none are hospitalized. Outbreaks at a San Francisco area wedding, a Toronto prison, have thus far yielded similar results. WHO pointed out no deaths. There's just a growing number of these anecdotes, writes uh, one of these uh, public health guys who I quoted earlier. Uh, bigger outbreaks, even among vaccinated individuals and those who are vaccinated and having no to mild symptoms. He's cautioned against drawing any sweeping conclusions, which we always do here. I always say you can never ignore anecdotes. You just have to put them in the appropriate context. Preliminary data out of South Africa itself paints a similar picture. The worst hit. Uh, province of South Africa, and I'm quoting their uh, health guru, the relatively low number of COVID-19 pneumonia hospitalizations in the general high care and ICU wards constitute a very different picture compared to the beginning of previous waves. Read a uh, non-peer-reviewed yet study one hospital system. Um, This is way, way, way more innocent than the previous waves, is what they're trying to say. But tell me this, Jack, because I didn't watch. I only watched a couple of chunks of the Sunday shows. Did they make that point over and over no, again? No, absolutely not. Did they not. celebrate no. that fact? No, I kept waiting for that. And and what's it doing? Just kept talking about how many cases are spreading around. And hardly anybody's getting sick, and nobody's dying. The fabulous Monica Gandhi, UC San Francisco. 
the mildness persisting, you can't get away from that. Usually hospitalization should be getting by this point bad, not just because Omicron was detected 12 days ago, but because it's probably been circulating for a while before that, maybe three weeks or so at the very least. Uh, though it's too early to really make any definitive statement about it thus far, it doesn't not look like there's a great deal of severity, she told uh, Jake Tapper. That ought to be the headline. It's it's transmissible. It's crazy, but it's like the common cold or so it would seem. And again, and this is an if we don't leap to conclusions around here. If it is as those doctors and health gurus were describing it, this is wonderful news. Wonderful. It provokes an immune response in people. So you have the marine core of your white blood cells, your T cells, etc., alerted to perhaps the threat down the road, but that's without severe illness. So it'll sweep through everybody, absolutely everybody. It'll be like the world's easiest vaccination. Almost nobody will get really sick. And then we can just move the freak on. And and those of you who still are pro clampdown, which is mostly, you know, government would be tin horn dictators. You're going to get undermined. Let's get back to work. Let's get back to our regular lives. Let's unmask the kids. Let's get to school. Just saw a good headline. San Francisco restaurant apologizes after workers refused to serve police officers. Oh, yeah. I'm all over that. Because they're triggered by the guns. Oh, boy. One of those stories. Hey, while I'm we're sorry, we need to ask you to leave our restaurant. We have a no gun policy. Uh, we're peace officers, man. I'm sorry, our workers are triggered. Even with the crime, what it is now, I know. A um, couple other health things for you. One, we've gotten two texts from people who said their gallbladder attack, like I had last night, was worse than their childbirth. Two people have said that. I didn't make Oof. that up. It doesn't even have to be worse. Oof. Just in that category. It's by far the worst thing I've ever felt. Uh, the other health thing that you might want to hear, obesity could be cured by turning off a hungry hormone. Hungry hormone. Hungry, hungry hormones. A new trial says. So they think they may have figured out what the hungry hormone is, and they could turn it off. Interesting. Yes, please. Give me some of that, yeah. however you do it. Yeah, that might be the, the what saves mankind if they can ever figure that out. Yeah, it could be. It's funny. You pointed this out about the the big Beatles documentary. I was watching that. Everybody is skinny. Yep. Everybody is skinny. There's like one guy in there who seems to be about 5'10", 160, and they call him Jumbo. <laughs> I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Of course, everybody's smoking all the time. True that. <laughs> that might be a factor. I cut down the Christmas tree on uh, Saturday. We got our Christmas tree. and I, uh... Neighbor's yard. Yeah, it's just so much closer. Sure, you got to do it at night, you know. Okay. You don't wanna... Yeah. Whatever your tree, gets Jim. So precious about the trees in their yard. Yeah, I always bring it to the attention first. I figure that's a really good cover. Hey, Jim, what happened to your tree? Yeah, you'll never you suspect go. me because I wouldn't write up. You wouldn't think I cut it down. Clever. No, answer the Christmas tree farm, and uh, my kids say you say this every year, Dad. I'm going to have a heart attack cutting down this tree. <laughs> zit zoo, zit zoo, zit zoo, zit zoo. You're just a couple of organs off. You had a gallbladder attack. Yeah, exactly. The uh, The kids always say, let us try. They always want to try first. But, you know, kids, they, they lose their enthusiasm quite quickly. Not they got not, arms like linguine. And not a lot of the tree has been cut. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so a the buddy of mine said, weak. why don't you, because he did this once, and I've never done this. I'm going to do it next year, by God. 
you get a Christmas tree, but you leave it in a pot of dirt or whatever, like really alive, not just putting water in the pan to keep the needles from falling off, but actually alive in a pot with like roots and everything like that. And then you plant it in the yard. He's got a tree that's like 20 years old because it's about how old his kids were at the time. And uh, in his front yard, it's a great big giant tree now. And they all remember that Christmas when the kids were like, you know, four and three or whatever. What I know about the root systems of conifers is roughly nothing. But so that deciduous? works. Huh? Now, deciduous, you know. Oh, please. But not conifers. Don't get me started. Um, but so you must not need to preserve a lot of the root system. I don't know. Well, he, he was successful. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. I like the idea. Seems like a cool tradition. Yeah. Yeah. Or you just cut it down every year. God, that seems like that's cruel and horrible. I mean, you cut it down, you nurse it back to health for 11 months, then you cut it down again. I started screaming, because it is a Christmas tree farm, and they charge like $100 a tree. There's a hole in the sky where a tree once stood. Somebody's making money on your feet. I sang that go at the for Christmas. You. Anybody join in? I cut down oh. artificial trees. Yes, exactly. You go into the Walmart, you cut down an artificial tree. Well, hey, you're drugged up, so I've got to be the sober one. We're running crazy late. we got to take a break. If you ever miss a chunk of the show, you can grab it. Armstrong and Getty On Demand via podcasts, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. First victory of the year on the line. Goff's got it. Back, looks, throws, ends it. Yes! Caught! Touchdown, Detroit Lions! They did it! Armand Ross, they brought in the receiving end! Oh, they're rushing the field! They've done it! Three zeros on the clock! This game is over! It's over! Jared Goff! To Amon Ross St. Brown, his first career touchdown. And how big is that? Oh, my goodness. That <laughs> guy's excited. Have a day, boys. Have a day. The Detroit Lions winning the Super Bowl yesterday. Oh, no, they're a winless team. They finally won a game. Oh, and really? the joy was like oh, they cool. won some ultimate championship. Cool. I don't know. It's kind of sweet in a way. Sure. <laughs> baby steps, Lions, baby steps. It's gotta Get a be, win. It's got to be so tough to be on one of those teams that's losing all the time because every player on that team won their state high school championship in like three sports, then played at yeah. some college team that was really good, Yeah, and then you're just getting beaten every weekend. It's got to be really new to them. Well, right, and the and the dis the difference between winners and losers in you know the elite sports leagues are so slight, but you lose af- time after time after time. It's got to be rough. That was fun. The joy <laughs> finally won a game. So we didn't talk about it much right when it happened. Um, up in Michigan, kid walks into a high school and shoots it up. Happens now and then. It's almost always the same sort of story. Uh, I don't know. I guess Joe and I just both thought, what's there to say on this? Now, uh, interesting wrinkle last week when the prosecutor said we're going to charge the parents because they didn't have their gun secured and uh, the kid got to hold the gun and then the parents disappeared for what? A couple days? Day? Or certainly overnight, yeah. And it was being they were being hidden by somebody. Anyway, they found him and now they're in the same jail as him. 
The kid who shot up the school and his parents are all in the same jail. They don't have contact with each other, but they're in the same jailhouse. Hmm. And then these details came out from the New York Times over the weekend, and the Michigan shooting was at the school's responsibility. So we've looked at the parents and their responsibility, now we're looking at the school. Oxford High School let Ethan Crumbly back into a classroom despite concerns about his behavior. Now legal experts are asking why and whether legal uh, uh, school officials should be held accountable. First, a teacher found Ethan Crumbly searching online for ammunition. The next day, the very day after that, there was an, a note on his desk that said, the thoughts won't stop, help me. School officials met with him and his parents. He's a 15-year-old. Met with him and his parents, informing him that he needed to begin counseling within 48 hours. His parents resisted taking him home until counseling started. Said he's staying here at school. He came back like an hour later and shot all those people. Wow. Like an hour later. Wow. After the meeting. That's crazy. I wasn't at the meeting. I didn't hear what was said. I don't know whether the school administrators in this case are idiots and the parents knew it. I don't, maybe the parents are 100% in the wrong. Well, the school officials defended their actions because this is a tough one. I'm a bad talk show host and that I don't think it's clearly one thing or the other. Um, not clearly, anyway. In a statement posted over the weekend from the school, the superintendent said uh, that Mr. Crumbly had no disciplinary history. No discipline was warranted. There are no discipline records at the high school. Can you make a kid stay home from school because he was shopping for, well, I don't know, shopping for ammunition and a note that says, that's a tough one. Yeah, yeah, I don't, oh my gosh. The thoughts won't stop, help me. And then mom and dad, but again, I wasn't at the meeting. I don't know what was said. I don't know that I can trust one journalist's characterization of what happened. Right. Well, they're being charged with something now. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll keep our eye on that one. If you missed an hour of the show, grab the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.